0: You are listening to Red Center,
1: your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking and cutting-edge imaging. Hello and welcome to this week's Red Center. I'm Mike Seymour, joined in the studio by... Jason Wingrove. How are you, Mike? Good, sir. How are you?
0: Excellent, thank you. Very busy, which is good.
1: Yeah, it's it's a Monday as we're recording this and uh, Jason Diamond will be joining us later in the show, having just come back from Red Day in January and we'll ask him about that. In fact, we'll... Well, I think, start by asking him what the heck Red Day actually is, because um, it's sort of part press conference, part community user group, part unveiling. Um, It's an interesting kind of uh, approach. Yeah. Um, And about uh, some of the stuff there at Red, but some of the stuff that's, um, uh, well, there's a bunch of stuff we'll be discussing, but before we discuss that, there's even been other Red News this week, which is, I think, kind of startling. It's gone nuts since whatever. stuff out before they even had this day where they could put stuff out. (laughs) Yeah. and some other stuff, including uh, some other um, bits and pieces, but mainly, I, m- I must admit, it will be a fairly red-centric show this week. Indeed. Um, and so let me just get some of the non-red stuff out of the way, and uh, Jase, I um, uh, just want to touch on a press release thing that, well, not even a press release, it's sort of like a Twitter storm. Uh, that happened over Canon and Panavision and a lawsuit. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm not being a legal bod. I'm not entirely uh, excellent at delving through legal documents and trying to work out what the hell is going on. But uh, yeah, I believe uh, Panavision and their, their parent companies are suing Canon for infringements of patents they have involving CMOS sensors.
1: Yeah, and this one out, and uh, we have a posting of this on FX Guide, but basically. Uh, We confirmed with Panavision in America that, in fact, they are suing. They won't discuss the lawsuit at this point. But I I just wanted to point out, I, I commented in the story on FX Guide that it's not uncommon for companies to sue each other over patent infringements. And quite often, a patent swap is all that's required for that suit to go away. That may or may not be the case here, but it is a long way off. Uh, a suit between Panavision and Canon, meaning that, for example, Panavision won't rent Canon cameras or lenses, which is some of what the blogging community was implying online. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we can um, put that to rest and say as of uh, last week when we checked Panavision, we're happily renting stuff from Canon and we don't expect this to blow up into that level of a kind of a lawsuit, uh, but we will certainly keep our eye on it uh, as it moves forward. Um, did you, did you uh, I guess see anything else in the news that really like got the kind of uh traction that the red stuff did because I, I certainly didn't apart from that uh that brief panavision canon thing uh
0: well apart from reds announcements themselves no not at all it's uh despite all the stuff that's coming out of ces there's been pretty much yeah a that's lot what i was
1: gonna of- say like i was surprised that we weren't talking about a bunch of ces yeah announcements, but there really wasn't much there that uh that certainly got traction with me
0: i suppose the only thing the only thing that was mildly interesting but possibly for me maybe even more, more laughable was the uh did you see those panasonic uh, the panasonic 3d all integrated 3d camera which looks essentially yes. like a p2 camera with a pair, with of, pair, of, pair of binoculars stuck on the front <laughs> of the lens yes yes <laughs> well um for twenty-two thousand dollars.
1: yeah look we we're not going to do a geek out on stereoscopic stuff today um we could no. but we've got so much stuff to come off with with Definitely. jason but i really don't know that that is a major long-term solution nor the 3d televisions
0: yeah look i think obviously it's getting some tech some technology out there because the tvs and stuff are rolling out pretty quickly you're going to have 3d tvs quicker than you're actually going to have any gear to shoot anything with so uh, I think, yeah, definitely stopgap technology, and uh, clearly it's something that two scarlets bolted together with individual lenses are going to be able to shit all over that kind of technology pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, so really not a lot, uh, as we had, I guess, expected coming out of CES or anybody else. It's uh, definitely quiet on ev- all other fronts, Yeah, uh, no, which I, is just I, as I well because, that. man, because red, you know, red and the red world's gone off a little bit.
1: Yes, so... Um let's discuss the stuff that was not part of the red day uh because we'll cover that stuff with uh with jason diamond and i guess the most interesting for me personally uh and i'm pretty sure it rates on your radar is the (laughs) announcement that red will be releasing anamorphic lenses
0: yeah yeah as we well know we've obviously been involved heavily in a project as we've been shooting anamorphic and also for my own stuff i've been wanting to get lenses to physically get my hands on Anamorphic glass for anything, and it's always been a total pain. It's not just because we live down the top of the earth here; um, it's also just because there is physically a shortage of of anamorphic glass in the world, and I don't know why.
1: Um, look, I think it was a fashion that went out of fashion because yeah. uh, it was promoting the idea that you'd get a very wide scope picture at a cinema level, mm. and uh, I think what we're interested in is not the idea of producing anamorphic prints. What we're interested in is shooting anamorphically to get a look, um, a look that I think we fell in love with when we were at a formative film-going age. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I talk to people like Stu, yourself, myself. We always come back to things like Die Hard and other stuff like that as just, mm, just mm. gorgeous kind of films that we remember and uh, and want to go back to. And and I think this is just beyond kick-ass. I'm sorry, but yeah, absolutely. This,
0: I, I and hate it's not to just use, hanging on. I don't think it's so hanging on is. to old tech.
1: I don't think this is this, this is just a style of lens yep. that makes for cool crap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's just no other two ways about it. I think yep, definitely uh, this it'll, is an awesome. Announcement. A whole new range of filmmakers, been unable to really seriously shoot anamorphically, will just emerge. There'll be a cinematic styling that influences everything from music videos to whatever, because you're just going to be able to get your hands on the glass. A bit more expensive than the normal glass, but I don't care. I would seriously look at buying some of these. Yeah,
0: no price prices announced that I've seen yet, just slightly higher than the Red Pro Primes is all. Now, that's fine. Because the Red Pro Primes aren't that expensive. When these lenses come out, maybe some extra shooting modes so that you're not totally locked into shooting two three five, whatever, you could then theoretically just own these lenses and then have a 16 by 9 mode which has got a two-to-one squeeze in it. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. So you're not always having to shoot, uh, you know, two, three, five ratios and have that on the monitors, have that on the screens, have your client or whoever it be um, constantly seeing that imagery to be able to, to work and crop to 16.9 or 185 or whatever imagery, yet still use these use these lenses all the time i guess that'd be awesome so essentially the uh they're going to have a 35 a 50 85 and a 100 all t 2.4 which is pretty fast i think i think 2.4 is fine i mean it's not
1: fast fast like 1.4 but it's i mean we've touched
0: touched on it before but obviously the theory being is that your your here we go again your field of view is increased left to right um uh, so theoretically, you can have a field of view of a shot of a, a 25mm lens, but you're actually getting the depth of field of a 50. So even though the stop is a little bit slower than than other lenses, you're actually there is a depth of field gain in it's there. It's the exact inbuilt.
1: opposite of going to a crop sensor on a Canon. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, you're actually getting a wider shot. For the same for the same depth of field, I guess it's, it's Yes, yeah, an overall
1: lens, so we're getting more sucked in left and right, and mm, hence mm. field of view. Yeah, not so, vertically, but horizontally.
0: No, true. So then, obviously, the the gain is a little less when you are doing stuff like. I just hope my they, my filming mode of sixteen sixteen by nine crop or whatever would be. I just hope the weird.
1: coatings on the lenses are not perfect.
0: Yeah, no, we don't. Don't go too. Awesome Red, if you're them, listening.
1: Guys. Screw up the coatings. I mean, seriously, yeah. guys, don't make the coatings perfect. Anti-flare, anti... You know, we, we no. want a little bit of... We want a, little we want bit, a bit of, of that flare. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. We want it. Yeah, yeah, don't make it too good. Go visit Star Trek. Yeah, that's what we want.
0: <laughs> go, go and pick an old set, an old... Run me just through the old... Uh, boxes of gear at uh, panavision we want to go through the old uh, e-series and old old so scope glass there's going to be a
1: lot of issues over this because there's going to be tracking issues there's going to be skew issues because one of the problems we found is mm. is that even though it compresses horizontally it's sometimes not perfectly if you like in the y vertical so that gives you a sort of a slight skew and also the, um certainly in those cooks uh, as we opened fully up we got almost a vertical smearing or flaring that was was not something that we wanted um, <laughs> Lack of sharpness.
0: Yeah, because obviously you've got the additional element, and also they need to be front element uh, anamorphics versus a lot of lenses which have the rear. They can have the anamorphosa part of the optics on the rear, and for some reason that doesn't quite do the same job uh, as having nice big front
1: So if that was anamorphic. all that they'd announced this week, I'd, yeah, have been very I'd be very happy with I'd be
0: extremely them. happy with that. I-
1: before we get to the... Because uh, we we're the exact opposite of last week. If you listened to last week's show, we basically just had uh, a long chat, no interview. <laughs> this is going to be the exact opposite. Short chat, nearly all yep. interview. Okay. But um, they also uh, announced stuff about a 17 to 50... Now, yeah. you have a theory about this. I I I don't want to be overly conspiratorial about it, but what what was unusual
0: was the day before. Was uh somebody found a 17 to 50. Let me just find the link here.
1: Was it on eBay or was it It uh, was a on
0: website? um B&H uh a um, Digioptical, I'm trying to think of the name, the name of the company. And it was uh so uh, uh, yeah, Digioptical. It's essentially someone spotted a PL Mount lens uh an 18 to 50 uh, T3. If you go to B&H, it's still there, three thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. Looks remarkably like my red lens. Extremely familiar. Uh, And same colouring of markings and everything. Yeah, well, red Red have said they have nothing to do with it, and obviously, and then the next day they obviously announced the lens they have, which is their new version, which is the seventeen to fifty, which is a faster lens. Uh, and it's actually a little bit cheaper than the B and H uh, Digioptical, uh, and obviously it's a lot cheaper really? than the. I,
1: I had the price was six thousand on oh, the Seventeen Fifty. F- I, I had the Seventeen to Fifty was a two point nine. I thought
0: uh, six thousand. Oh no, sorry. That yeah, the original the original one. Yep, yeah, okay. Yep, sorry. No, the original one uh, got a price reduction. for yeah, the, the original time being yeah, the original Eighty Fifty went on went on sale. Yeah, sorry, my, my bad. Um... So yeah, and obviously the new one is a T2.9, so slightly faster and a little bit more uh, range on the wide end. Just another mill, but at that end of town, another mill is can be a reasonable amount. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, so that interestingly
1: though. I think with the new one, they've got rid of the eye pins on that lens. Yeah, which is a shame. It's minimum focus down to four inches in front of the hood, um, or 11 inches from the uh, focal plane, and that's the thing I love about that lens. The original 18 to 50 is it would close focus so well for product shots and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've got to tell you, uh, a bunch of the red team have actually posted that they've been shooting with it, this new lens, quite mm-hmm. a lot, and it's really a favourite of theirs. It's a, it's a sweet lens, and i you know, I think the original 18 to 50, not the best build quality Hmm. not a bad lens we've used it a lot but not necessarily like a just playing with it doesn't feel really solid and and hard yeah optically Um,
0: it was always fine I think wasn't
1: it optically good Um, but a little bit of um, yeah just I guess you call it build quality in terms of of how it uh, but
0: all of these lenses are just absolutely cracker for for steady cam, handheld the ability because you know in the old days that you know it was very very hard to get small short compact zooms like this Ari brought out like I think their VP1 VP2 VP3 and it was a set of three variable primes just for that kind of use and I rented them once I rented them once and these swings were like I don't know what they originally weighed but they were literally like a five kilo lens or something. They were astonishingly huge. Well, our 18
1: to 50s is exactly what we use for steady cams.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, it's fantastic to have these small, I guess, you know, based on, you know, stills lens technology, to have something really compact um, and uh, lightweight. But and so perfect for perfect for handheld ability because you don't necessarily obviously you're not really looking to have any not necessarily looking to zoom in shot you just want that ability to to change you know to reframe quickly without having to derig and balance your your rig or your steady cam or pull everything apart and you know have have that downtime down so these are, you know, a reason, you know, a relatively breath of fresh air. All of these lenses, even the original seventeen, you know, eighteen to fifty, it's fantastic. Nowadays, you guys don't know how sporty you are.
1: The T three eighteen to fifty is is four grand now, US, by the way. Right, three yeah. nine nine five.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, another
0: uh, another new lens. So that's fantastic. That uh, is, let's see that. Uh, it, uh, I'm trying to think when the next one will be released. Um, delivers will begin in about a month, so that's terrific. And just jumping back to the uh, re- the Red Pro Anamorphics, uh they will be expecting to start shipping them by the end of the year. But uh, yes. as always, things are subject to to change. change.
1: Speaking of subject to change, mm. um, unless you have something else pressing, I think we should. Uh, I think we can get Jason on the line in New York. This is Jason Diamond, our good friend. One last lens announcement. Oh, okay. Leica announced
0: they are going to produce a massive set of PL Primes really
1: uh so this 15 lenses is this to compete with the red prime set because that's like twenty thousand. uh no this is definitely more competing with
0: uh cook and uh cine uh really yeah which i just find bizarre given the fact that you've got um the q optics i think have got um and zeiss have got their well, Cook's got a cheaper line yeah What's and, and Okay so 12 mil 16 18 21 25 35 40 50 65 75 100 and 150 mil lenses delivery starting in June 2010 uh, and essentially on par with cooks like you know essentially a set of cooks wow. five cooks is like about 30 plus grand each lens 6 or 7 grand so well, what do you think of the
1: brand name
0: well It's, you know, it's fantastically... uh, I mean, it it depends. Like a lot of lens manufacturers, it depends on their... um, Depends on the lens. Like some of those little Cook ZF, uh, the Zeiss... Zf, yeah, uh, reportedly not so good. Depending on, I mean, Zeiss depends, doesn't depends carry on the much range. Way.
1: I see a Carl Zeiss lens.
0: Yeah, they've certainly diluted their brand. That is by completely just, diluted. To absolutely, me. but also, I mean, it just
1: reads, "I'm a schmuck for believing that this is something special."
0: Yeah, Leica have done the same. You know, Leica Zeiss, everyone. You know, who's anybody in the lens market has had a, you know, uh so point
1: in the shoot the bloody camera. Lens, bloody manufacturers. Look what IMAX did in diluting their brand by giving the. The you know sixth resolution IMAX screen. Anyway, I not But um, <laughs> so I I'm not I'm not jumping at a Zeiss. In in,
0: at all in this in the leica stuff in the big in the big end of town their 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 big leica lenses are i've got a lot of clout their high-end stuff is fantastic but they're definitely towards the lower end and some of their stills lens ranges aren't aren't the best and can be have a lot of chromatic aberration a fair few issues um but in the top end of town some of the old leica stuff and big old big bigger (laughs) Um, Leica lenses are, are impressive
1: this but, theoretically but you mean new ones or traditionally like ones if you got one that was an old one yeah older
0: stuff right yeah, no, in, in terms phone of phone yeah in terms original. of their yeah their Fender
1: pre-CVS buyout <laughs> yeah
0: very excellent analogy mr seymour so somebody else is entering the market and in, in a big way it's cost them 10 plus million dollars to uh, develop the lens set so the, the, this is a train that probably isn't going to stop uh, they've got to get these out the door just to be able to literally recoup costs but essentially you know it's probably they're probably the first to admit this could potentially be um bad timing uh there's a lot of competition Heading their way, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so theoretically, uh, yeah. June oh ten, oh ten, one ten, two thousand
1: ten. I like twenty ten myself. Twenty
0: ten, yeah. Okay, well now we're going to cross to Jason Diamond, our excellent correspondent on the ground for the Red Day, the uh, ever so confusingly called Red Day, because uh, no one quite have an idea of uh, which one is which. <laughs>
1: Hey, how's things? Thanks for joining us. Hey, um... No problem. Let's start out by actually asking you, what was this event? I mean, you went to it, what did it feel like? What what sort of event was it? I mean, because a lot of people know about the February Red Day, but this one, uh, I have a good idea, obviously, because I was invited to it, but but for you walking in, what did it feel like as an event? Did it feel like a press event? Did it feel like a user event? Did it feel like a launch? What would it feel was like? The jumping it, castles? It's...
2: <laughs> no jumping castles. Uh, although I guess... Uh, well, I'll say something about that later. But uh, oh, actually, I'll say something about
1: that later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it actually felt kind of like a, a a mini NAB of sorts. Okay. Because cool. I, I don't think there was supposed to um, be, or I I wasn't aware that there was going to be as many sort of hands on and and couple gear related um, you know third party vendor things that there were.
1: So, in fact, there was uh, Red and other companies, basically, with yeah. kind of stands, for one of a better time? Uh,
2: yeah, Pablo, uh, well, Michael Cioni from Light Iron, previously, Plaster City, was there with his Pablo, um, talking about stuff, not Quantel specific, but some Quantel stuff, but showing some other things that the, he had been talking about in his presentation. Lucas Wilson was there showing some scratch stuff, and there was another company, Hollywood DI, I believe it was, showing like an apple color workflow
1: right? and was there a formal part to the evening i know there was and A Q&A at the end but was it just basically hanging out at booths or was there like different- no so what
2: so what ended up happening was um we showed up at renmar which everyone knows by now or and i'll, I'll explain more later that red bought renmar studios so it's now redmar you could i mean they could change one letter and save a lot of signage costs. <laughs> but uh, but uh, they... So they bought the studio and so one of the... I think it was stage four um, was where they had the event, which is just like a giant empty soundstage, which was sensibly cut in half. And when you came into the room, there was some, you know, shrimps and melons and fruits and waters and things. And then... Uh, a set in the far corner of the room with a motorcycle and a, and a pump and sort of like a hybrid, like, uh, crotch rocket, you know, mixed with like a sort of a, seemed like a stylized 50s pump set or something. Cool. With like, you know, lights and... Sorry, and sorry, we we'll just back
1: up for a moment. Crotch rocket? Motorcycle. Okay, thanks. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, Jason had a completely different mental image in his head when you said that.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway.
1: A new adaption for the Red Rocket. It's not mini, yeah,
0: ex- mini, mini NAB, some sort of mini Vegas setup. Anyway. Yeah, it
2: was uh It was Moving AVN. Along. AVN was uh, also there. Uh, no. So so they had that, and then they had you know the standard um, underlit glass cubes with some accessories and some uh, uh, prototype silver Epics and Scarlets and stuff, and then they had. In between that, uh, actual um, MX. Uh, sorry, to back up real quick. They had MX enabled um, red, red ones, ones yep. sit, shooting the set, so you could you know properly lit set, so you could play with it and adjust all the settings. Which of course, there's new firmware for the MX sensor, so it has new uh, settings on the on the screen. Cool. And so you could play with it and look at the rolling shutter and mess with the ISO and see how the roll-off is. You know, just get some hands-on with it and not just be told about it. Um, and then they had Epics, Scarlet, fixed-lens Scarlet. Um, you know, pretty much everything you've seen renders of, they had real pieces of that you could touch and play with. And sure. All still non-working had, prototypes. Uh, yes, although they did say that from a weight perspective, they were probably eighty five percent close to the actual finished weight, right, which is you know at least one step closer
1: so so you got there and there were there was an actual presentation in the middle of all this.
2: right so on the so then there was a big curtain and on the other side of the curtain, so the room was a, a little less than half the larger half being where the presentation was they had a uh, new Sony T series 4k projector. Um, shooting at a screen that was probably about twenty feet. I mean, you know, a, a, a nice size screen. Um, and then, you know, chairs for everybody, a little stage. Uh, Jim was sitting on the stage, smoking a cigar, relaxing, and and everybody sort of came in and and sat down and waited for the the presentation portion, which was first.
1: So, I guess the the really interesting question is. Uh, you got to see and touch MX stuff, but you didn't get to see and touch Epic or Scarlet stuff. Is that right?
2: Uh, Epic and Scarlet, real footage. Like, footage, no, because they don't. None of the cameras work.
1: Right. So you can really judge MX well, and the rest of it was just really holding prototypes and mock-ups in terms of the Epic and Scarlet range. Yeah. Okay. So did. Did you get the impression that the room was full of D.O.P.s or, or who was sort of I mean well, what did they like?
2: They did 3 sessions. Right. Okay. So the, the first morning session was ASC members which I believe was to I mean I'm speculating based on what I've read that that they they were trying to sort of talk to the ASC and the old Hollywood guard about look, you know, we're doing it I don't know what tests you've seen and that kind of stuff, but this is what we're doing. This is what we want to do. We want your feedback. We want to bring you into the loop, and make you comfortable with what we're doing because we think it's you know worth your while.
1: Uh, again,
2: that's just my speculation based on what I've yeah. Uh, I mean, I understood. got I
1: got the impression from what I read that Jim's tone to the to the uh, sort of CML crowd was not the usual kind of well, it wasn't he wasn't revved up hype. It was you know, quite open to listening and getting feedback and just discussing, right?
2: Yeah, well, then the second session was the CML crowd. Oh, that was the second
1: session. I'm sorry, Uh, go on. Yeah,
2: Um, and I'm assuming it was roughly the same kind of uh, talk. But it seemed like they were a little, um, we had a brief chat with Jared on the way in, and it seemed like uh, everyone was a little more excited for the owners group, which is what I was in, um, to, because I own a camera and, and, and so I think they were a little more excited and a little more, uh, open. I'm although, like I said, I don't know what they spoke about in the earlier ones, but it, it seemed like they were really pumped because we're yeah. the group that, you know, believers. push them forward and, and, and jumped on the boat, jumped on the boat as it were.
1: Excellent. Well, let's discuss what you saw then. Um, Oh, actually, you know, I should just touch on this. There isn't much more to tell about them owning the studio, is there? Other than this is a really famous studio where things like I Love Lucy and stuff were shot. But there wasn't, yeah. that wasn't really the focus of the discussion. Nobody really touched on No, they, the other, they you know. mentioned,
2: the, uh, Ted reiterated it a couple of times to make sure everyone was clear on what was happening that they bought the studio, the whole thing. They're going to keep the majority of it that is currently a working studio as a working studio. Right. So that people continu- continue to shoot there. And it's, I mean, it makes sense to keep it as a revenue generation yeah and then this i think the sound stage we were in they're going to keep as a demo workshop projection you know the sort of their utility room and then i think ted will have an office there somebody said something about the bomb squad moving there maybe uh maybe some development but uh you know they a real hollywood headquarters so people don't have to go to orange county
0: yeah i think as far as i heard i Everything from Orange County is moving there.
2: Uh, I don't think entirely everything, okay. but again, yeah, I, I, I heard yeah.
1: not absolutely everything, okay. but yeah.
2: Sort of the way uh, ILM split from Marin down to the Presidio, there's still you know bits and pieces in each spot.
1: Okay, cool. So, okay, so uh, so let's get to the fun stuff—the camera itself and stuff—and uh, in particular the the MX. Um, you know, at the end of the day. We all want to know: Is what do the pictures look like? Did it look good? What do you think?
2: Well, so I guess to to prep our eyes for what we were going to see, they re the red. What they call it the red 400 reel, uh, which was a re. I guess a regraded 4K or re actual 4K output of the reel at Red Ray 15 megabits per second. Right. 4K through the Sony 4K projector, I believe everything they were playing was off a DVS clipster.
0: So it's a pretty tough act to follow in itself.
2: Exactly. And it looked, you know, everyone's seen that that reel before, and it looked awesome. I mean, it looked great. And then they showed the MX reel opening with that Leonardo DiCaprio shot um, that everyone's talking about, and that was just, like, incredibly mind-blowing not to be like a fanboy because it was just pure response was like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, you're just watching d- d- And I believe about it was that, all 4.5K. Yeah,
1: tell us about that Leo it's, DiCaprio shot because, uh, yes, if you've been camped <clears> down in Red News, you'd know about it, but you yeah, saw so, it firsthand. What, what did I... We haven't seen it yet. It's not on the net.
2: Uh, so, so Jim said that it was shot on the set of Social Network where Fincher has been shooting with the MX-enabled Red Ones. And I guess he said he wanted to told Fincher he wanted to come over one night with a friend to shoot something on the set to something special. And uh, I'm assuming that friend is Leonardo DiCaprio. He's the guy in the shot. But uh, so it's basically um, a dolly push-in dolly move of Leonardo DiCaprio sitting on I can't can't really see it, but probably like a apple box or a milk crate or something. In, at the end of a larger room with a doorway behind him and some stairs up behind him, but there's no lighting whatsoever other than whatever happens to be... No light bulbs or anything, but whatever light happens to be filling the room and a match. And he lights a cigar. And there is, for all intents and purposes, no discernible fixed pattern noise or anything that you could latch onto to say this is unusable. Hmm. It's it's pretty astounding.
1: So so in terms of latitude, what were the guys saying we're looking at? Because that does sound incredible. And we'd previously been thinking that they were going to move for a rating of 320 to, to 800. Um, is it still the contention that the MX is going to be rated at 800? Because what you're talking about is would be much, much higher ISO. You must have been up at what? 1250 or 2000? 2000, 2000
2: for that. I think they said they were at um, I could be wrong, but I believe 800 seems to be the baseline that they keep talking about. Um, they were saying um, 13 and a half or so stops right now, three and a half over and three under, something like that.
1: Now, can somebody explain that to me, or rather explain it to anyone that's listening? Because if you were to do simple math, you'd say that three and a half to three is a range of, well, you know, at best seven and a half stops if you allow for the fact that I'm already on one and I can go down three and a half and a yeah, half. and where's the rest of the stop? Well, I, think
2: they mean, I think they may mean over what it previously was. Okay. Previous range. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little ambiguous because mm-hmm. they also said that um, the footage that we saw, um, the Leo shot, there's some Audi shots and a welder shot that I can tell you about that were actually one week and five builds ago. From what it is, what it was yesterday, wow. when I was sitting in the room, and that it's cleaner than that, right? Which and, is And for kind your of hard eye,
1: which I trust. It was completely usable footage. It was
2: completely usable, and and I'll just jump quickly to a shot that Michael Sioni showed after because he did a whole um, talk about new Red Cine X and the Tangent Wave and everything, and he showed a shot of stuff that he had shot. Uh, or if, I think it was a shot that Jared had shot somebody shot in that room that we were sitting in of a car varying lighting changes and one of the setups was a, the, you're looking at the rear of the car but it's completely black there's no lights on in the room yeah right and then the the taillights come on uh, and in the he was saying that when they were grading it they were looking at just you know pulled up the clip with its metadata, and it looks like super black. No noise, clean black, and it's sitting dead at a straight line at one IRE. Uh, And he later went over, and and now Red X has a lift gamma gain function in it, and he jacked up the lift, and the only thing that happened was the black just became lighter shades of black into gray into white. Right. No noise ever showed up Yeah Wow Yeah it was wow. It was astounding
1: So this would have been With the new red color Matrix and red gamma Tonal curve yes, stuff Exactly So this is now replacing uh, What I would call Rec 709 In both of its formats Both Color space And gamma As well as uh, Red space Color and gamma Or is it just You know Looking after gamma Or color space Is that red uh, color Looking after both
2: in Red color As the color space and rec 709 is gone it is no longer an option on the camera i believe
1: okay but this is just Um, just to be sort of really clear about this for a second sorry because it's really significant but this is in terms of color space not in terms of the output light gamma space on the output light gamma space i can still select rec 709
2: um i believe you can yeah i think you i think they left that i think i believe the gamma is uh a little more open
1: I mean that makes sense. They were sense sort of me, pushing.
2: Right? They were sort of yeah. They were just sort of pushing the red gamma, so they never went into any of the other ones. But I believe when he clicked on the you know because they had the screen was the whole giant projection screen was showing red cine x. When he clicked on red gamma, you saw you know, pd log, red log, all the other. Yeah. I mean, would, you saw all the other ones there.
1: It would yeah. make perfect sense that you had one color space for the camera, but then you could output different gamma curves of that depending on what you wanted. Because obviously a red gamma curve traditionally being a red space curve is quite contrasty, which makes the pictures look great. But if I want to grade them, I might want to go out with a slightly less contrasty, uh, flatter gamma curve. Um, but the the color space, that makes total sense. You just have one color space, pick the color space. Fantastic. That is Well, just what they're so claiming...
2: Good. What they're claiming is that if you use red gamma and you use it appropriately, if you don't, if you don't clip the raw when you're shooting, you will never c- clip the raw when you're grading.
1: Well, out of course, red if right. it's a gamma curve, right, it shouldn't affect the white yeah. point. So that's, that's uh, a monumental statement, but actually technically a really trivial statement. It's like saying no matter how much you would check, uh, affect the gamma curve, you won't clip. Well, obviously, because... The whole point of a gamma curve is it doesn't affect the the high end. Um, I guess my thing is I'm really pleased to have it simplified just from a user's point of view. Absolutely, because That's, if the color yeah. matrixing is simpler, then we'll Can't have less you. hassle. Did, did they? I, I've seen in some press that they were showing the new um, FLUT, the new. But did they call it floating point lut, or did they? It's just call it FLUT?
2: It's called FLUT, but I believe it's been clarified as Floating Point LUT, which is what I thought it was when they first announced it. Well,
1: that's what I said it was and got... uh, Don't go there. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, so that's great. So they were showing that. And so uh, basically what you've got is just really good new signal processing stuff happening to the raw files that are coming off the MX stuff that are producing for you images that are really, really clean. What resolution we were looking at? Because this is still off a... Effectively modified Red One. Were we at uh, 4K? Were we at 4.5K? What were you I saying? I believe.
2: I believe it seemed like everything was at four and a half K. They didn't really say, but based on the based on them showing the original Red reel, which was pre four and a half K enabled, the footage was four scre- was full screen. Right. When they showed the MX footage, it was letterbox, so it could only deductive reasoning would suggest it's the four and a half K widescreen. Yeah.
1: So now. Yeah. Interestingly, you were watching that back and sometimes coming off what I would have called a red ray, but they've now changed the name of red ray to the confusingly generic red 4K. Yes. But but let's call it red ray for this discussion and we'll correct ourselves (laughs) later. So you actually were watching back 4K or 4.5K, 24 frames a second at only 15 megabits a second, right?
2: I don't believe that the MX footage was red ray.
1: Aha, uh-huh.
2: okay. I think only the original reel that they had reconformed and created this 4K um, reel out of.
1: Right, and that's what, what you were saying was looking really stunning anyway and people were just like, who knew yeah. that? were just pretty impressed. Okay, so then the action is really just happening with those uh, MXs. But if we can move from the sensor now to a second just to discussing the um, the camera itself uh, in terms of bodies and stuff, you've been keeping up with what we've been seeing in the, in the um, you know, uh, press, I guess we'd call it, the the red user um, bullpen. Uh, did there seem to be any new sort of configurations or options or bits and bobs, or was it really just you got your hands on what we've already seen in, in still photos up until now?
2: Um, I have to say with a mild disclaimer that out of shortness of time, because I unfortunately or fortunately had to catch a red eye back, for my kids' birthday party this morning, Sunday morning, so and they had shifted the times of the event that that particular section was, of course, constantly crowded, right, so I got up there uh, as quickly as I could and got as much information as I could, which probably isn't as much, and that's my only other thing about the event before I go into the p- bits and bobs is that they gave the the presentation was a, about two hours roughly and then they gave you about an hour a little over an hour in the sort of playground and then we and then i had to leave and then ostensibly they went over to the q a so there was more there wasn't enough time to see everything that you wanted to see just in that little you know half the room
1: jason my friend you were lucky the guys that went to the mid-session they had a power outage that took out the city block, so half the kit wasn't working. So, wow! So you went to the right session, even if you had to leave it. Oh, I'm not.
2: I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. You know, it. It was. You know, it was a bit of a playground. I mean, you wanted to. Oh, you wanted to sort of check everything out. But so it seemed to me. I saw the, the, fixed lens, uh, eight times zoom Scarlet body, which I believe had probably never been seen, in a physical form before um that to me is going to i think that one specifically is going to be the hvx killer yeah because when you buy it you get everything all the kit with it um because it's got a fixed lens and they give you the batteries and the whole shebang um from what i understand and it i mean the lens is huge not huge but it's maybe the size of a of a almost a fifty millimeter red pro prime, maybe a little smaller. Like it's, you know, it's just it's substantial,
1: mm. right?
2: And of course, all the zoom is happening inside the lens. There is no extension of any kind, right? Um, so you were have, playing around with the
0: uh, prototype of that and the weight of it and everything. And how did it? Yeah, working? it didn't
2: have any. Didn't have any accessories on it, like yep. grip or anything. It was just the body and the and the yeah. lens. It. I mean, it's not a light camera, no. but it's not. It's not. I don't think it's unwieldy, and if you had the proper kit on it. To hold it and maneuver it, I think it would be totally uh, perfect. The, the little guy... Sorry, go ahead. That's right. The So
0: the uh, fixed lens, did it have any monitoring on it? Because I've seen, I've seen some shots here with the, the gunner rig, which we'll talk about later. This got to LCDs. Finally starting to see LCD
2: bolted onto prototypes and see how they fit. Uh, but, I uh, saw the LCDs and stuff bolted onto the Epic right. body, I believe. The gunner was the Epic that I saw. Yeah. Um
1: let's talk about that gunner then cuz uh I think this is a pretty interesting area. I I don't know, did you get to see it much?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was holding it. Um it's it's heavy. Um I think they had a 50 mm Red Pro Prime on it actually. And uh it had the larger silver prototype um touchscreen whatever. LCD touchscreen which of course isn't working. Yeah. Um they had a um a mount on the side which you've seen in the renders that has a it has a, a laser rangefinder on the outside, um, which I'm assuming is for the touchscreen. Was
1: it a laser rangefinder provided by Red, or was it a laser rangefinder from a from a gun a site NATO supply, supply company. A,
2: yeah. Well, I couldn't I couldn't tell, and like I said, unfortunately, I was cut for time, so I wasn't able to like really dig in and like make my mental notes and then tick off the yeah. questions with with. Um, the engineer that was standing there.
0: So can I just clarify um, the design yeah. of the thing? Essentially, it's a big rail that goes under the center center of the camera, which you can then extend and stack on um, extension tubes to it. And then that's the where the NATO part comes in. Any sort of NATO gun mount, like the uh, t- uh, bipod, I suppose you'd call it, or hand rail, uh, hand grips, to then bolt onto that center pole. Is that right?
2: Yeah, they had the they had the hand grip. If you push the button of. Uh, two legs fired out of the bottom of it, right, really yeah. fast. Yeah, which is and, essentially, uh, <laughs> which
0: is essentially <laughs> pretty NATO. Pretty. Yeah, NATO. yeah. I so mean, somebody so had, somebody
2: just, had said that all the pieces were modeled after an AR-15. Right. Kit.
1: Well. Well, this is the thing, though. Like, Just for people that are listening, I'll we'll just clarify some of this stuff because certainly um, I know quite a lot of people that weren't quite as familiar with this uh, this morning as they were this afternoon. So what Red's doing is basically adopting a system of mounts for the bottom of the camera, which is not the only way to go, that instead of being based off an ARRI set of rods is based off a military spec system from 1995 that was NATO-validated, which is sometimes just called rails. It's sometimes called uh, uh, NATO rails. But the point about this is that it's uh, a modular system of Meccano sets with industrial-strength stuff that was literally designed for the military. And, of course, most people only use these things for guns, point blank. But you can, of course shoot with a camera and it's quite a sensible thing to have similar kind of uh gear to be able to mount stuff so that you can for example as you said put a bipod like a bipod instead of a tripod at the front and then sort of use that to aim uh what you're going to take photos at the point being though is that you would actually be able to buy something that was made for a gun a real gun and off Amazon. And that would screw into the thing on your red camera because what their strategy is is to basically say rather than us have to make every single one of these components, there must be some other thing other than Arri type rods that would be. It's very very red, isn't it? It's so red. It's so red, <laughs> and it's really interesting at so many levels. I Firstly, it. I kind of get exactly where they're coming from, right? Because there's, you know, the idea yeah. that a whole lot of people are making these incredibly uh versatile rigging very quick systems. release quick release super strong Designed to be robust designed yeah. to be strong uh, and also if you make you know hundreds of thousands of these because you've got a military contract then making a few more for a bunch of you know doughy eyed guys <laughs> with red cameras is a is a very small additional
0: that red on this one and uh, triple the price
1: but uh, but, Jason, I'm right in saying that their philosophy, when I say this, is to both have something that you would buy from Red with a Red logo on it, and they just also let me go to Amazon and buy stuff that I would otherwise just buy for a gun, right? It doesn't have to be... Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I didn't get that specifically from anybody, but, it, I mean, it only makes sense. But looking at all the pieces, I mean, it looked like somebody took, a like, a, an M16 or part or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah.
1: Now, does anyone know how to pronounce the original name of that? It's like... Uh, Picatinny? Is that what they call oh, it? I don't not. know. Style? Well, the original name Tyler. before it was uh, <laughs> yeah. called NATO. Tyler. And that's what you can... You can actually do a search on, on Amazon for this stuff. It's P-I-C-A-T-I-N-N-Y. Now, I'm not being a gun guy, I totally don't know how to pronounce that, but the system is incredibly robust and full-on, you know, like I'm talking... When you say, like, range finders, I mean, you know, it's easy to think, are you talking about a... A thing from Red, but also literally like you've got yeah, you, proper rangefinder. Yeah, yeah, I
2: think somebody had said somebody had said that it was a standard rangefinder from something I, I wasn't familiar with because I don't. Yeah, I don't so, know anything about guns. I
1: mean, I'm on Amazon now, right? Yeah, and and you can get a, a rod riser for eleven bucks ninety five, right? And this is what Red's going for, right? You can get a foldable tactical try that at the, the Secudo store a tactical folding grip metal for 1795 you can also however get a mini scope for 50 bucks or a winchester assault rifle case (laughs) this is gonna be fun getting stuff shipped out to this is what i'm going for right because honestly there is a bipod swat combat profile adjustable height rubberized show me that pod yeah, yeah that is exactly what you were talking about it's a it's a Instead of a tripod, it's a bipod. Oh, I got yeah. the name right, and bipod. It, yeah, I knew that. I know my attack rifles. Yes, a SWAT slash combat profile adjustable height rubberized stand for 1995. Now, I totally buy that <laughs> that, that is terrific, right? Because I wouldn't get, even from Red, you know, that attachment for 1995. That's true. That's true. I just can't right. see me going through customs no. with a whole bunch of military-grade... Kit and saying no 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 parts. mate no mate no 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 it no, 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 no. looks like it's an assault weapon no no no, no. no, it's,
0: no. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know it's and got gunner written on it <laughs> <laughs> I know it has Winchester written on it but it's and this other thing has bomb written on it
1: no 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 I'm a yeah. cinematographer and, and I've got to say I, as as cool as it probably is to be able to go to the local um, you know gun store in America and get a tactical sniper profile adjustable <laughs> height bipod <laughs> for a mere twenty five ninety five. <laughs> The the thought of me walking through customs with my sniper profile adjustable tactical universal bipod rubberized stand, as as fits to an M sixteen or AK forty seven, for, for twenty five ninety <laughs> five is the least of my problems because, um, <laughs> now well it's that that and your lithium batteries right yeah yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> I that just I have a real um, sorry I get that it's a really cool system. But I'm just, I, for the love of me, I've got no idea how I'm going to get any of this stuff. If Red went over to use this stuff. only good for local stuff. shoots. <laughs> yeah. And the word shoot just takes on this whole different meaning. Yeah. Right? A, no, 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 not understand I'm a shooter. I mean, no, no. Uh, uh, I mean, I I get that it's really cheap. Of all the kit that I've been looking at, I can't find anything over 25 bucks It's, fa- it's that fantastic. Uses this system.
0: Wow, it's great. And you guys like going to, you can go to get Kmart and get shells and bits and you must be able to get bits like this you must be able to get
1: sure. b- bits for your,
2: for your, for York, your epic at walmart yeah i was going to say maybe red will do a walmart exclusive
1: yeah uh anyway awesome. so yes yeah, so i've got no idea so, okay well, anyway so that... we
2: finally get to see gunner it looks really interesting yeah.
0: uh, it, it actually looks like, actually practical
2: what i was going to say what i like right next to the rangefinder is a tube where you can slide a microphone into right that's not Which in is, the center of the this,
0: uh, what do you call it, Picatinny stuff. That's not the center of this rail. Uh,
2: no, not the center. It's off to the off side. To, offset just, to it. Just off the left side of the camera.
0: Yeah, yeah. So did you, uh, one of the rigs shown, obviously, was a what looked like a, a really sort of uh, small mode, I suppose, Epic or Scarlet with a, uh, a prime on it, uh, the touchscreen on the top, as you say, with uh, one a right-hand hand grip. Uh, did that is it? Has it got a way of going back to your shoulder, or is all this weighed out weighed out the front? Uh,
2: um, they have. Yeah, I saw a uh from a slight distance. They because it was cause of the crowd. They had a, a, a the, that nicely rendered shoulder mount that you've seen on on Red User in the flesh, so right. to speak. Cool. Uh, and it looked really nice. They had also had all the um red ones with those sort of spider leg looking. Um, oh, yeah. New handles and and grips and everything on those as well, which look all. It seems like they they backed up for a second and then we're like, all right, let's think about this, and like everything rotates in every direction and everything has you know multiple rosettes. It looks like, and I mean it, it, they really yeah. they really thought it out at yeah. this point. Not that they didn't before, but I think. No, but they some of the original side brackets and having everything all Allen key, you know. Yeah, was, they realized. All, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, they learned right. from their mistakes, which is a nice. Just you so, know, so I just I'd point out, that you can actually get a, a rail
1: set for twelve ninety five that'll work on this new red. And customers that bought this also bought caliber cartridge bore sight uh, shells for nineteen ninety nine. You can buy the two together as a discount oh, package cool. on. That's true. So if you want a set of shells. Um, and, so. uh, and a rail for your red, you get it as a discount package. hey, um, tell me when you were looking at the stuff, the people around you was everyone too cool for for school, or was it like there was a genuine sort of sense of enthusiasm as to what they were seeing?
2: no, everyone was everyone seemed very excited and or had a lot of questions, or you know everyone seemed to take it with the right amount of uh, interest and I, I I sense no like uh, grain of salt mentality.
0: Sure. Okay. So um, your uh, obviously now you've seen MX footage. Uh, what's your plan with your red one?
2: Um, I I was wanting to do it before, but after seeing that, I, I mean, it, it makes no sense not to do it. I mean, just I mean, I guess it depends on what your plan is with what stage you want to do for Epic and. All that kind of stuff, um, they're giving like a uh, like a what was it like a 1750 credit back if you pay the 5700 to do the initial sensor upgrade, yeah, if you turn the camera, in, I mean at that point it's negligible if you're going to spend thirty grand, it's thirty grand it doesn't matter yeah. but um, I'm, I, I'm absolutely going to do it.
0: So, I mean, with the rest of the footage, obviously there was a lot of stuff exhibiting noise, but did you actually, was there an outstanding... I mean, stuff not, not, not exhibiting exhi- noise. No, yeah, yeah, no, noise. Noise, or lack thereof. <laughs> um, but was there any other, I mean, was there some key look that you could determine? Obviously, um, they're both the original reel, I guess, like the IBC reels, looked fantastic. So, um apart from the noise factor and your ability to
2: underexpose... Um, this was there was some shots in this stuff i think i believe michael Sionian and some of his um shooter uh compatriots shot a lot of this stuff there was a there was a um there was a section that i think michael shot of a guy in like a little welding shop that was only lit with one light bulb and one fluorescent down the middle of the room um of the guy you know Tick welding or cutting out of a big piece of steel, the, Mm. um, Mysterium X or, you know, whatever, uh, logo kind of thing. Cool. And that looked, you know, sparks and, you know, highs and lows and roll-offs and noise and, you know, no noise. You know, basically, you know, like a nicely shot test piece. Yeah. Um, but then they shot some stuff where there was, um, some downhill skateboarders going in and out of shadow and stuff and everything was properly exposed light to dark, um, On both sides you know looked really nice yeah um but then there was some shots of London from a helicopter that really blew my mind because it was like dusk so you had this really great um may not have been fully magic hour but it was like you had this really great tonal range of the city um it was by the it was like from the uh parliament side I believe looking up north towards the eye Mm -hmm. and and you could see all the lights twinkling like way down. I mean, it was just like you literally saw it, and you were like, "Whoa!" You know, every and there's like five or six cuts. In each cut, you were like, "Whoa!" Because it just—I mean, just the depth and the detail—is um, staggering. And I'm only saying that not again as a fanboy, but simply as as uh, experienced. You know, what I mean, just as what I saw. Excellent.
1: So as a as a Red One user, how I don't know if this even came up, but how would this differ in one's expectations from the February event? In other words, are you feeling like having been to the January one you don't care about the February one or are you like I need to go back because there was you know hints about even more in February?
2: The February one I understand is gonna be for people from Red User. Um, and somebody Mentioned maybe working prototypes, but that may have been just speculation on my part. Um, okay, so there wasn't the much other thing made. They, wasn't much made of it that on that day. Nobody said anything about it. No, nobody said anything about it actually at all. At least not while I was there. But you know, I, I, they keep talking about this, and this is just again my own two cents. They, they keep talking about this late. Mid spring to late spring release for Scarlet, which makes zero sense to me. Well, it makes they,
0: zero sense to us down here.
1: But yeah, I they have not.
2: They have not even started the tattoo program yet, and I would imagine the beta cycle to be at least three months hmm. to get. And I think they're going to do somewhere under under fifty cameras, probably way under fifty. But so I, I just don't understand how. And I understand that the tattoo program is going to inform both epic and scarlet from a development process so if that's the case i just it makes no sense to me that you are not even going to see anything publicly released in production until mid summer I and mean, that's just my, that's just my math hmm. i could be wrong i'm not saying red isn't telling the truth it just doesn't logistically make sense to I me i mean
1: ted had said 4 to 6 months and at ces which would place it at you know may june so right you i mean is that summer, considered
2: but... i don't know what yeah i mean late spring to me is like mid-may june is summer
1: yeah i, I, so. could, I could see i and could see we, some prototypes and there's sort of a month delay
0: in there as well for
2: the asic yeah re-spinning. well but i'm just uh, saying product they're talking about production release yeah okay so well, who knows right? so that's just my. Yeah, yeah i mean it is what it a, is i don't yeah, care yeah, yeah, it is what wait. it is
0: still well this sort of stuff just makes it all the more frustrating <laughs>
1: I, yeah. think, I think we will learn a lot when we see tattoos released because yeah. uh, if the tattoos are on a short beta and everything's kicking, you know, I mean, for all we know, it could be that they could have had the tattoos out before Christmas but one component wasn't available. So they've been happily testing the bajillicans out of them ever since yeah. and actually are actively just, you know, basically biding their time until they can get enough quantity of whatever it is to release them. Or it could be the other way, and there's so many things not ready yet, and that you know if they're lucky, cross fingers, I'll get it out uh, next month. And you know those are two different worlds, and we wouldn't necessarily know the difference between them. In one world, right. everything's pretty much been tested and being used. And let's face it, we know that the uh, you know there are cameras, as you mentioned with the the, the DiCaprio thing. There's stuff happening, and there are, the sensors are obviously working. Yeah. Or you know it could be the other way around, where it's just so much stuff to get sorted. Um, who knows? We certainly don't. But but I do think once when Scarlet, uh, sorry, once Epic gets out in tattoo form, that we'll know a heck of a lot more.
2: Yeah. Um, one other thing is that the Pablo that that Cioni was using did have a new Mysterium X aware build, which I guess is obviously something they're working on. Um, and Pablo now has an Octo HDSDI eight eight hd SDIs out for real-time 4k output that they were showing in on a rear projection screen that looked pretty nice
1: i must say michael's a really good guy at uh, at light iron and and yeah. really knows his stuff like uh you know oh for sure on a good day i'd happily go and see michael and no no one else and find that I, and still have thought i had a good day's uh worth of uh you know stuff to to do so yeah i mean that was obviously Absolutely. a really good lineup of people to, yeah. uh, to uh, and then
2: Tony Pratt from Park Road Post, who's their Red Workflow Manager, um, came up from New Zealand and he showed clips from Knowing and District 9 and talked about their workflow and things that they did and problems that they had and and actually talked about the insane amount of paint that they had to do in the Pablo to turn all the trees from green to red and all the yeah. Boston shots in, in Knowing. Room.
1: Yeah, that was an like amazing. Hundreds
2: design. and hundreds of... Of layers, he also um,
1: showed some stuff from the uh, lovely bones, Sydney. He?
2: Yeah, he showed he showed a section of lovely bones that was thirty five and red, intercut and would not say which was which, and you couldn't tell.
1: So I know you um, you weren't at the Q and A. We we've there are some uh, good posts around the net from some of the other Q and A sessions. Uh, people that were at other uh, session. There's one over at uh, provideocoalition.com. dot com, and it sounds like. Um, that in the Q&A there was some solid stuff, nothing, again, earth-shattering, just, you know, why don't you take Red X further? And basically the answer was, well, if we did, we'd have to charge for it and we don't want to step on the toes of our partners. Um, I guess the... Uh, I, I don't think I've really got, though, the answer I was looking for on whether or not you felt you had to come back for February or whether you're, you're good until NAB. I mean, as a, as a user, as a camera operator, I mean, how do uh-huh. you feel...
2: Well, unfortunately, I can't go in February because I have a gig with my band in Vermont. So, but if duty you didn't calls, have that, would
1: you have considered? Uh, it? I,
2: I might, I might. Depends. It depends. It might have been a last-minute decision based on what was being rumbled about.
0: Um, there may still yet be rumbles. Who knows?
2: Yeah, yeah
1: I think I'm sure I there'd be pre-rumbles. In in a perfect world, this would be the MX kind of show to the community yeah and february will be the epic show to the community and now actually, it yeah. will be basically now we've got production units to show i mean that would be a nice rollout i'm not speaking from yeah. any insider knowledge i'm just saying it would make sense right yeah yeah they've yeah, got totally. footage
0: to show the new sensor and this is essentially what the new we're cameras the are new going sensor. to look like now
1: we're going to show the new cameras yeah now we're going to show production stuff at nab and that would be a sensible three-stage kind of rollout yeah um, whether it plays out that the fourth way, four know, stage who, being actual sees. cameras. Well, is there anything else, Jason, <laughs> before we let you go to bed? Because I know it's really late there.
2: Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I the flut is really an interesting, um, concept. Apparently, Graham wants to do away with ISO entirely. Uh, somebody.
0: Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, yeah, but, it makes sense.
2: Uh, I, I ran into these guys from uh, Red User and Twitter, Dan Sturm, and. and his buddy Jeff, whose last name I can't remember, they're from Intel, from Phoenix, and this guy Matt DeJesus, who's also from down there. I think he has camera eighteen. We were sort of um, talking about some stuff, and he, for, uh, Dan, forwarded me a bunch of stuff that I missed after uh, I left. So thanks. Well, the only to thing him. I'd say
1: about ISO yeah. is you do need to set your light meter to something. You know, you need to have a, a point upon which to set your your external devices to. You yeah. can't operate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he would replace. I don't know what work flow or whatever they would replace it with. I mean, I'm sure that's just Graham wanting to streamline the process, but uh, that's just what what Dan had sent me. I think it was from the Q&A, but but, um, we were over with Michael playing with the Red X, and what's really interesting is if you take a shot and, you know, let's say the metadata was ISO 320, if you jack it up to 800, and then you pull the FLUT back down X number. I, I think it works and stops. I don't know. It's not it seems to work in whole. It's not whole numbers, but you would, you know, if you went from three twenty to eight hundred, you would have to bring the flut back from zero to minus five. So I'm assuming it stops. Right. Measurement, but I can't be sure. But it returns the image to look exactly the way it was. So I'm not. I, I still haven't fully wrapped my head around what the purpose of flut is, other than like micro ISO adjustments. Um, really. Uh, but it, it totally works. I mean, it you know, you can't see any... It doesn't introduce any noise. It doesn't change the image uh, in any perceptible way in, other than making it, you know... Allowing you to bring it back to where it was.
0: Well, from a shooting point of view, your ISO—it's essentially being like metadata anyway. So, if you know you've got a certain amount of underexposure, just changing your ISO from you know 800 to 1600 is just you know taking a stop away from your latitude. So, it's you're not really doing anything physical. You're not you know swapping over any sensors. It's just it's just um, you know metadata. So I can kind of see.
2: yeah. You're shifting the grey around. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can kind of see where Graham's coming from. Anything that yeah. simplifies it, uh, this the red colour or whatever, th- that all that shift, removing a lot of the settings on the camera and making that a lot simpler, I just think that's uh, this is all brilliant forward steps, I think, to uh, try and, you know, particularly when half of the reason for this event is getting uh, ASC and uh, CML and real film shooters uh, across the line and into into the red and into this sort of uh, technology. Anything that simplifies it and integrates it into how they think is uh-huh. all going to, you know, uh, getting rid of crazy stuff like, you know, what lot do I set the camera to? That's just, you know, be, has been little simple classic little bugbear that just makes it one too many things of pain for, for yeah. people of that um, mindset.
2: Well, they also had the little, uh, I can't remember, the red station Oh yeah,
0: cool. Uh, that the they had
2: they had the base and then the CF guy on top of it, just a two right. stack, uh, and and that no was SSD running into a stuff. laptop.
1: Are you talking about the mobile rocket.
2: Uh, no, the uh, no no that the red station that little, little red's little um, stackable media tower. Remember that they showed the renders of? You could it had a
0: SSD one point eight and the different side
2: of SSDs and a CF card. And, oh, and they uh, had that there. You saying? Yeah, they had the they had the little. I guess the bottom piece is the connection to the computer, and then above that, they had a CF, just a CF reader, which I guess would be obviously available because CF is usable. Mm. Um, But every station there had the Max Digital Mobile Rocket uh, box, almost. I saw at least six of them. Yeah, it was interesting to see
0: some shots there, showing it uh, in the flesh, actually. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Looks yeah, it's mean, a lot certain. smaller and thinner than I had imagined.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the raid version isn't available yet, but uh, but but uh, that one's uh, you know uh, order orderable, as it were. Mm-hmm. And the little the little I don't know why I keep calling them this, but the little like red gumball lenses. Uh, oh, the little, yeah, yeah, the little the mini little guys. Yep, the yeah, red. those mini guys red. are really cool. They're like little like I think Stu said. In some Twitter post, when they first announced them, that they're like the new little Bolex lens, and that, I think that's probably the best description of them. They're just these n- nice little guys that just—I yeah. mean—you feel like you just like have them in your pocket.
1: But did you watch? Something. Did you watch footage shot with them? I mean, could you judge image no. quality?
2: No, no, no. They—they're not. They were on just the prototypes, and then um, in a case yeah. on the uh,
0: interchangeable lens uh, Scarlet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for all that. We're going to let you go and uh, yeah, crash um, and uh, recover. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, being there yeah, and thanks, man. grilling people and stuff. And no we're problem, sorry that, that even their event was subject to change. And, of course, uh, you had to leave slightly early. But, hey, I'm glad you got home in time for a family, much more important than yeah. playing around with uh, prototype cameras. Uh, thanks so much, Jason. We really appreciate it. No problem.
0: No, thanks, Jase, for doing that. I really appreciate you taking the time. That was awesome. Thank you. and thanks also to everybody who, including Dan Sturm and those guys that did a lot of Twitter feeding from the Red Day. It was great for us uh, that those that couldn't actually make it to get a bit of a um, Twitter fix and uh, a bit of a feed from your blogs and your YouTube videos. To uh, yeah, to <laughs> for those that couldn't make it, thank you all for that.
1: So uh, we'll be covering the February event as well when that comes along. And uh, yes. we'll be also covering what happens at NAB as that comes along, as we do. Mm, NAB um, will be good. So uh, did you have anything else? you you got a shoot coming up, haven't you? you got I you, have, yeah. I'm
0: shooting. Yeah, it's m- gone mad. shooting a couple of things at the end of the week. Um, actually, one <laughs> of them... shooting something today, I thought, at <laughs> on one stage. <laughs> no, they only just gave it approval yesterday. And we're now, um, yeah, prepping today and going to shoot in about two days. It's just kind of crazy, crazy clients. Uh, actually, I've just ordered this uh, cool little. You know, the, have you heard of the? You know, the GoPro, that little uh, HD. Yes. GoPro, camera dot com. Uh, awesome little, tiny little um, rig camera for uh, bolting to helmets. They've got the versions for motorsports and for surfing and awesome. I've just, I had this. I've got this sort of scene with like rugby tackling and stuff. So I thought it'd be actually cool to. You can strap them onto people's chests or onto helmets and. Uh, so we're going to do these massive rugby tackles with the GoPro bolted on someone's. Head. Some really good little, some really excellent images come out of this camera for something that is essentially auto-focus, auto iris, auto-everything. Auto but somehow the look of it is quite got quite a filmic feel to it.
1: So so I'm right in this, that you're actually going to have this thing on a rugby player.
0: Yeah. Well, main unit will be 35mm, but also to get in the thick... Because one of the things we talked about with the um, creatives was this... We really didn't want to to cheat the audience out of the impact of the tackles. You know, we didn't really okay. want to, you know, unlike other games, there's no real padding, not much padding <laughs> in rugby. But,
1: but hang on, see, if I got this right, if you do that, um, and if you if you do it the way I think you are, isn't somebody going to, like, land on this camera?
0: Yeah, but it's in this little kind of crash housing thing. Yeah,
1: but what about the guy who's having this ploughed into his chest? Oh, well, whatever. Well,
0: we've got stunties, and we've got stunties, we've got. What we wanted to do was okay. cast rugby players, cast real rugby players that could really do a tackle. It doesn't sound not like stunties. Sounds not, like a not worry about. Well, they're they they're, they're, they're crazier than stunties, I think. They're not we're caring too much about. they you know they're built like brick shit houses, and they can really sort of throw themselves yeah, around and know, know how to do attack. Well, this a is what they go and do this for sport. This is Saturday morning fun for them. Okay, so uh, we're going to strap cameras to their chests and heads and uh, get in there with cannon. 5d and mix it all up and so it should be really cool because as i say we didn't what we didn't want to do was like stunt our way around it and have it all uh also, you know yeah. cut around the action and sort of pussyfoot we wanted <laughs> to really just
1: do i don't so, know what you
0: just say you're not being uh, <laughs> hit by a bloody other like a bloody camera strip and i'm like just... the most unsporting person in the world but what's amazing about this camera for like 300 bucks or whatever is it's really quite you know, they can quite film filmic. So I think it's like ten eighty p and stuff. I you're bolted and locked into doing thirty frames a second. But hey, you know, we're getting used. To, we're getting used to being
1: thirty played back at twenty four for slow mo. Sure, sure, of course. That tackle will look really good with a bit of slow mo on it. <laughs> just over crank it a bit. I don't know, maybe thirty frames that would look good. <laughs> so anyway,
0: no, check them out. They're really
1: quite quite impressive.
0: Um, uh, I just want to.
1: Yeah. Sorry, can I move on? Yes, I just move, want to clarify please. one thing. We often joke about rat holes on this show. I just want you to be clear, though. We we are not undisciplined in in our approach to the show. We're the exact opposite. We will have rat holes and entertain them. What we like to think is that the rat holes are actually interesting, diversional discussions around filmmaking, mm. and, and in this case, cameras, but whatever it is. But um, a couple of you sent some emails to us saying, oh, don't stop the rat holes because I think it's really good, and other people were like sending a few emails like why do we even mention it but we we try and stay on topic but by the same token we deliberately happily enjoy any discussion about cinematography digital cinematography or filmmaking and and think that it's valid and quite frankly the feedback from you guys is you agree so obviously this week um less so last week more so it will change on a week-to-week basis but when we joke about rat holes don't worry we're not going to start discussing you know cooking recipes or uh you know what yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah, so we we take we take it as a bit of a compliment that you guys give us your time. So we're certainly not going to abuse that by just wasting your time. Um, but by the same token, we like to keep the show uh, informal and relaxed, and certainly. Uh, discuss some stuff that comes up because we kind of think if it's interesting to us at a professional filmmaking, cinematography level, it'll be interesting and uh, to you. And I want to thank all the people that have been emailing us. So we've had quite a few emails. Yeah, we have week. had
0: some fantastic emails. Thank you.
1: And, thank and you And, you know, we've said it before. We'll say it again. It really is something we appreciate. We get a buzz out of it um, and you will you know, almost... Every time, I would imagine, or at least most of the time, get a response from us because we uh, we take your feedback incredibly seriously. And the show has been growing and growing in, in downloads and uh, popularity. And we want to thank you guys for supporting us and, and sticking with us. And, and as I say, it's the exact opposite of that thing where you kind of get a bit um, take it for granted and just start shooting the breeze and can't be bothered. And we put a lot of work into researching the shows. We have pre-production meetings where we sort of discuss this stuff. Um, but by the same token, I think... Some of the more interesting discussions we've had have been just discussing our own personal uh, experiences on certain stuff. So mm. that's uh, that's certainly my perspective when I sit down at the mic.
0: Yeah, we'll try and sort of keep that coming. And obviously, we've got to cover the news as well. Today has been uh, a little bit of a different one because it's been mostly news-based, and obviously, um, you've got to sort of
1: keep that on 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 subject but but even there we're not reading from press releases yeah we're not just right. regurgitating you know an rss yeah. feed of and somebody talking in, people that were on the ground there yeah we went to a lot of trouble to set up stuff so that jason would be there and uh we spoke to our contacts and you know he got to speak to them so you know my hope is that you guys appreciate this the emails indicate that you do we try and be as prepared as we possibly can, but by the same token, keep it as relaxed as we can because we're Australians and we like doing that. Um, also, we, we do make quite a few faux pas in the swearing department and we don't do that to annoy anyone, uh, so don't mean to offend anyone. Unfortunately, we, again, we're Australians and it becomes second nature. So that's it for another week. Um, uh, we've got um, some really good stuff coming up, as I said, in the longer term and in, in, in the short term. Um, we want to thank all of our people contributed this week especially uh jason diamond who uh was in new york and if you know anything about sydney new york time you'll know that he was uh way past his bedtime way past to uh bedtime. stay up and talk with us so we really do appreciate that thank you so much uh, as always you can find jason on twitter as uh wingrove so that's just you know an incredibly good place to tap into uh jason's um, kind of psyche because I, I guess. don't blog I just pretty you much don't just, blog, you don't, just, yeah, you just blurt revert. at
0: 140 characters at a time
1: Oh, of course a much better place to find me uh, I am on Twitter at Mike Seymour and please that's great but a great place to find me is over at fxguide.com and uh, fxphd.com we've just started a new term at fxphd.com and uh, Jace, we've got a terrific course uh, on lighting at the moment with mm. uh, your friend Tom Gleason. With Tom Gleason, awesome so you're, I
0: guess what what uh, and a lot of people have asked for this kind of thing, which is I think it's terrific what you're doing, what it sounds like going through, breaking down the different kinds of lighting, what it's used for and the names of it, lingo, and you know, it's, and seeing its application in real time.
1: Yeah, so for example, uh, some of those particular classes are very hands-on in that we'll be lighting, getting a model and actually going to light them up and stuff mm. and show that. But there are other ones where we're just taking shots. We actually took one of your shots from your film, uh, moving day, and we walked through uh, Tom's decision on lights, why he lit it the way he did, what lights he actually used to do that, um, why he would use HMI or, or KinoFlow and which ones and, and what. And, and also it was quite interesting because, uh, and I hadn't anticipated this, but in looking back at a shot, even though that's relatively recent, he was saying that he would have done things differently. And it's really interesting because you get a real insight into Tom's uh, view on cinematography in terms of... Uh, some lights he positioned, which were low down to illuminate, say, a couch, he now looks at it and feels that was a little artificial. I, in no way, agree with him. Um, but I know you were really happy with Tom's yeah, lighting. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. So I know it's already been proven very popular over at FXPhD. And of course, there are other courses there uh, on. SLRs with Stu uh, Meschwitz and
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a bunch yeah, of good stuff. That's a uh, uh, that is a brilliant course. I've, uh, I've looked at all of those episodes. That's fantastic. There's some a lot of good info there. Uh, that's such a That uh, was just writing, oh, again that um, that sort of self. Uh, going back and being your own uh, reviewer and scrutineer at the end of the shoot is such a DP thing, Uh, I just love that, you know, at the end of the shoot to just then go back, oh I really wish we'd done, because you know it's such a rush and then you have so much time afterwards to just sit and chill and think about why you did certain things, I used to have as as DP friend I used to shoot for me a lot and we were essentially actually I, I used to assist him a lot we used to if we had an eight-hour shoot it would be a 12-hour post-mortem about <laughs> oh i really should have done what i should have done yeah i know i know but well, you didn't have the time to do it just i, don't I think know. that's
1: really important do. because of course you oh it's great actually Self my biggest criticism education. in post-production mm. is the lack of the post-mortem because in post-production i think all too often what happens is um, and this is particularly the case with budgeting is that someone will say um, okay, I'm gonna bid this job for fifty thousand dollars. And then the job goes on and then things happen and it just rolls with the punches. And at the end they don't wanna look at the the actuals versus the budget because they kinda of know they went over a bit and why rub salt in the wounds? And you know, I just mm. had to. Mm. And so they kinda of keep a blind eye to it. Whereas my attitude was always I think it'd be really healthy to actually look at the done. Finals. Why did we do a postmortem, go wrong? but not, not a witch hunt? Mm. Not a witch hunt postmortem, and say, okay, so why did this go over, and what could we learn for next time? And if nothing else, the next time you saw that script, you'd have a better idea that you know what fifty is what it feels like, but you know it's probably going to be closer to seventy. Now, if you choose to do it to fifty, by all means, do it, but you'll know for time and resourcing, and just for general profitability, what it really will be. Now, in Tom's case, he was reviewing as I think your friend was, not in terms of budget. Um, but in terms of decisions, but creatively
0: and schedule, and yeah, absolutely. What would have been the better look for
1: a shorter time? And but a DOP doesn't have much time on set because the two things Tom no. says you want a DOP to be is is a good bloke and fast. That's the mm. two things everyone always says about DOP. Yeah. very rare DOP will be criticised for being expensive. Um, maybe I'm just not in on those discussions. But when I worked at a production company and I worked at a at a full on live action production company. Um, when I came back from working in Hollywood for a bit and we'd sit around and I'd watch the producer speak to the line producer and they'd go through the list of DOP names and you're right they'd be like he's good to work with and he's fast yeah. the two sort of most common things that if you wanted to get a job you wanted those two people to think of you as being a nice guy yep. or a nice woman and fast uh, and for it to look good
0: fast is good if it looks good but there'd be plenty of guys that are, are are fast but also expensive that I would get vetoed by a producer if I'd say, look, can we use this guy? And they'd say, yeah, it's terrific, but, you know... I just—it's it, gonna be really expensive. We're gonna have every single light's gonna be out of the truck. It's gonna be Captain. Oh, Kilowatt. I see what you're saying, Captain Kilowatt. And you know, there goes your profit. I, share. I mean,
1: actually, their rate is expensive. But you mean expensive oh, sure. because of the amount stuff they Oh, expensive that DP
0: they, to use because they're just like they you know, use everything. Yeah, want yeah. this gear and need you know, or tons of lenses that I don't use. They'll charge on you know, put on their five cases full of six point six inch filters, all you know, yeah. just sitting there doing nothing, but they're on the they're on the invoice. Uh, which is, you know, it's great to have all those tools there, but, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, the way of the world is that we want to, you know, we all want that look uh, and that nice guy, uh, but. You know, cheaper, faster. You want like, every part, you know, but every, every the, point of the pyramid. Cheaper, faster. But to faster, get back to your initial better. point,
1: though, I think that post mortem is a really useful thing. Yeah. to be able to go, you know, what we should have done is blah blah blah. Yeah, um, and it was a
0: great thing as an assistant, you know. Yeah, because you'd totally. sit there and, and you know. Too. I mean, I, I joke about it, sort of. Yeah, yeah, shut up. But you know, it was. It definitely was. Is part of that sort of training thing. Well, also, as an
1: assistant, they may not stop and make and explain those decisions to you as they're. Yeah.
0: Making Because you'll have your truck will be open. You'll you'll be there. You know, just dusting off stuff and packing it away, putting it away. You've got plenty of spare spare ear time for the DP who's sitting on the end of the truck with the beard, you know, <laughs> just sort of, just whinging about, you know, ah, oh, bloody director, why do we, we should have done it this way, should have done that way, or if only I'd have put that up, you know, instead of going with these three, if I just had one xenon out there, if I'd only had the time, if I'd only, if I'd only, and I think maybe that's what made me be a director listening to that for so long, listening to them complain about the bloody director and also but do you complain. think that's
1: also that discussion, that post-mortem, is where so many of those really cool uh, camera department specific gadgets and doodads come up because people say, yeah. you know, if I had something that we could have done this, mm. and then you're sitting there with the beer, or they are, and you're lugging, yeah. going, you know, it'd be none that hard to make a bracket that you could have to, yeah, and then day two, there's the grips knocked it up, you know,
0: yeah. for the for over the weekend for the ne- for the next week, and then, then it becomes God. called the whatever I swear the to God, grips should have a yes, exactly, Hannah Wilson or whatever, Hannah
1: Wilson, yeah. <laughs> They should have a uh, computer milling machine at the back of the grip truck because... Uh, oh, maybe some... I'm sure there may be <laughs> the odd grip truck in the world that does. Actually, it's a, it's amazing the post-mortems, especially on that, those big, big jobs because, mm. uh, you know, the the amount of um, a thought that goes into a major lighting rig of you've got like uh, an interior set like a house that has to have exterior lighting coming through. I'm not talking like a soap opera now. I mean like a proper... Yeah. the the complexity of being able to light that and rig it and then be able to vary it during the requirements of what's going on Mm. Um, and also for that matter the other thing that I find interesting which I wish I could sit in on those discussions is what DPs did as the day progressed because you know like You'll set up for an exterior shot uh, of three people sitting around an outdoor table that's white, that's got a lot of bounce light in high sun at 10 o'clock in the morning. By the afternoon, the sun's gone in. It's on the other side of the thing. There's no bounce off the table anymore. It's low con because the, the clouds are in. Yeah. And the light's completely on the other side of the of the scene, and it's got it all intercut.
0: Yeah, it's the, the worst part about that sort of job, I'm sure. And, you know, as for director, it's the worst part. Just looking at the Rush, he's going, hmm, if only we'd had you know, extra gear, time, money. So often that fabulous just, oh, we just need two or three guys and it'll be, you know, it'll be great. We'll just rip through it. That's when that sort of falls apart when your lighting changes or your day goes longer than you thought or sun goes in and all of a sudden, gee, a 6K par right over there would be fantastic instead of this, you know, and you've got no crew
1: and no no gear. And uh, yeah, you so can't, sometimes... You can't pull a 6K out of your ass. I mean, that yeah. that is like having the ability to run a 6K or whatever it is, anything, you know, above a 2, I guess, or a yeah, 3. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. You it needs a level of pre-thought, and it needs serious bits of kit, and it needs somebody that can place that, power it, and get it to the right height. Yeah, run all the cables across the 200 yeah. metres of lawn. Do you need to plug it into? Yeah. 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 Though, though, speaking of packing stuff up, my funniest thing, I reckon, is watching um the point in the day where everyone decides now's a good time while we're standing around still shooting to start packing stuff up because it's fair enough too right because no one wants to pay for like two hours of pack up post shoot but i've been on shoots where i just looked up and realized that everyone that had been been spending all their time moving stuff towards the set was now moving stuff away from the set
0: yeah yeah if it's not working it's jerking what yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible thing but I, you know it, well, basically, you're in that last sort of shot, and someone will often drag out this terrible comment. Of, if it's not working, it's jerking. So whatever piece of gear that's lying around, if it's not working on set, it's time to, you know, anything anything not in use, it's time to, for this is the wrap set By, up. by jerking, you mean... Pulling it into the truck? If it's, not, if it's not working on set, it's just sitting there jerking around or jerking off. Got it. Get, okay, I was worried that of, that's what you were saying, it. but I was
1: trying to give you an out that <laughs> you're going the other right, way. But okay, now I see what you're saying. Yeah if,
0: it's not, yeah, if it's not involved in this setup, let's start bumping it out of here because yeah. this is the last shot. Uh, well, I don't
1: even know it's the last shot. I've looked up and it's, you know, we're at least a couple off the martini <laughs> and it's not a lot of stuff's coming out. A lot of stuff's going back in. Which is bizarre because they,
0: you know, want to sort of stretch that. You know that uh, bump out time. You know that have the yeah have the you know the whole. You can sit there slowly with the compressor blowing out every plug and socket. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to call you on
1: this, dude. The number (laughs) of friggin' times I've been on set as a VFX supervisor. And okay, it's a wrap, and I look around, and the director has picked up his briefcase. Thanks oh, everybody. Oh, yeah. Thanks they're everybody, fr- out of and the they're out, out. of oh, the yeah. door before. Absolutely. I swear to God, the actor has got into makeup to get their makeup off. Oh yeah,
0: I'm I'm out of there. Director wise, yeah, I'm talking oh, about big like, boys trying to stretch their bump out, trying to
1: stretch their OT. Would be, be just early like, like, coiling. It's like it's a ten cameras. hour day, right? And it becomes a twelve hour day, and <laughs> yeah. everyone's exhausted. And then yeah. the second that it's over, the director is in the murk and off.
0: That's why the production people stay till the very last minute because they're. Making sure that everyone gets out of there, and you don't get get home, and they get an invoice for four hours of rap from the best boy because he, you know, decided to uh, WD forty every single um, C stand lock, and uh, yeah. Oh, you are harsh. You are <laughs> harsh, man. We're Cutting we're... into my profit share, man. <laughs> no, I don't get any shit like that anymore. That, that's but well, that was pre GFC profit share. That's a thing of the just getting your
1: fee is the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh, well uh, our bonus is uh, is over thank you so much for that listening was... to us again and we'll um, we'll see you uh, next time on the yeah, show
2: Thanks so. See you. Thanks for listening if you have any questions or comments please email us red at fXguide.com. Copyright 2010, FX Guide,
1: LLC.